Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his dues in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world. Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. So, I mean, I was doing it all myself. Presented by Crosley. Amplify your style. Here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in. Pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. Mike, I got to tell you, we had a guest lined up today, a uh, longtime crew chief, very successful crew chief with Hendrick Motorsports, Bill Davis Racing. Uh, Ray Evernham was going to join us today. We get the call that he has tested positive for COVID-19, so... Yeah, Ray said he's not feeling good, not but he wants to come back on the show. And you know what? I'm I appreciate. It. He was nice enough to at least let us know he Absolutely. wasn't coming. Didn't just so, blow us off. So, so we'll get Ray on. I mean, you know, obviously we had to employ the very strict COVID protocol here at the Speed Sport Podcast Network, and and we'll let him rest up and <laughs> hope Ray gets better soon. Anyway, uh, it is officially Speed Week Daytona Speed Week Daytona International Speedway. Mike, you are no stranger uh, to Victory Lane at Daytona uh, with wins. Well, you've had wins in the ARCA Series, Truck Series, Xfinity Series. Um, since 1959, obviously, home to the Daytona 500, Daytona International Speedway. But really, how much do you know about oh. Daytona? Oh, that's now you're going to pull out some, <laughs> you're gonna pull out some Jeff Kent stuff oh, on me here, not? aren't you, where I don't know what I'm talking about. This is but, all about fun. These are fun facts about Daytona, and we'll see how often you have the correct answer. All right. Welcome I'm ready. to your own podcast, by but, the way. Beautiful. But but welcome, Jeff Kent. And just in case anybody was con not knowing if we really want, what is on my hand? Those are two Daytona those win are, rings. Those are Daytona those win two of the threes, rings. Right? 
That's now, are those like loaded down with diamonds or? Oh, those things are worth millions of dollars. Seriously? Yeah, the memories are worth millions of dollars. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the memories. All right, once again, fun facts about Daytona. Mike, you've raced there, you've won there. But how much do you really know about the Daytona International Speedway? Here we go. How many acres are in the infield at Daytona? In the infield, 147. It's close, 180. Ah, close. Yeah. What's the name of the lake in the infield at Daytona? Lake Lloyd. Lake Lloyd is correct. That's a 29-acre lake. They... I, I've got drunk on the edge of that numerous times. <laughs> they host powerboat races, yeah, all kinds said, of cool stuff. They said, make there. sure you don't fall in Lake Lloyd with that final drink. And all I'm right, not. the NASCAR Tri-Oval is how big, Mike? The NASCAR Tri-Oval. Oh, the racetrack itself. The racetrack itself. Daytona would be two and a half miles. That's correct, 2.5. The banking in the turns is how many degrees? Mm, this is a kind of a hypothetical guess, but 33 degrees? 30, 31, that's 31, close. Okay. 31, that's close. And I think Charlotte might be, I don't know, 26, 20, 20 something, something, yeah. something like that. In the tri-oval, how many degrees of banking? Oh, wow. Wow, let's mm -hmm. see. I'm coming off the banking. 31 in the turns. 18 degrees? That is unbelievable. Ding, ding, ding. No oh, more wow. calls, really please. Knows, we have a winner. I don't know this stuff. I'm just guessing. Even the, even the back straightaway is banked at how many degrees? Uh... God, that's, that can't be much. It's not. Six degrees? No, it's two, uh, actually. Two, okay. Right. A renovation project was completed in January 2016, allowing how many permanent seats in the grandstands at Daytona International Speedway? Okay, so they took grand, at that time, they would have taken grandstands out of the back straightaway. I remember right. that. Yeah. And they made it all permanent in the front. So it went from, like, it was one for, what, 75? 80,000? Actually, it's 101,500. Oh, wow. yeah, okay. 101, but they have capacity for about 125 if they jam they it in. It, whatever. Let's talk track records. You ready? Oh, track wow. I don't know nothing about this one. <laughs> <laughs> At Daytona International Speedway, the qualifying record is held by who? Qualifying record at Daytona held by who? Gosh. I have no idea. Bill Elliott? Bill Elliott is correct. That was before the restrictor plate, 1987. A lap of 210.364. Can you imagine? No, I can't because it, think about that, Jeff. 210 mile an hour. So if you run 190 down there today, that's good. Right. And they had no spoilers hardly on them cars back then. You had no downforce, you know. So it had like a two or three inch what we call blade on the back, oh. laid back to like 10 degrees. It had to have been barely on the ground. Oh, my God. That's... <laughs> All right, the Bill Elliott had the big ones. Yeah. Is all I can tell you. <laughs> Cajones. Yeah. The 500 mile race uh, record holder is who? 500 for, miles for, the, for speed for the fastest. Oh. Uh, Daytona. Well, day, yeah, 500 mile race at Daytona would be held by who? It was 1980. I'll give you a clue. 1980. That would be oh, darn. I don't even. I'm not even that old. <laughs> Come on. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Bodine. That would be Buddy Baker. Oh, that, you know, I know that. Now, the, since you told me. The 500-mile race was run in two hours and 48 hey, minutes. Can you imagine? Think about this. I don't know, and, and Rich can probably look through the window and tell me if I'm telling. They, he drove that car they nicknamed the Gray Ghost. Is that right? That was a Harry Rainier car, and it was black and gray and uh, silver numbers, uh, like reflective numbers. 177.602 miles per hour. Who holds the record for the fastest race in the 400-miler? And it was the same year. Uh, Buddy Baker. Nope. But, uh, Bobby Allison. Two hours and 18 minutes, 173.473. 
miles per hour. Man, that was kind of probably disheartening to the people in the grandstands. They just got a six-pack of beer by that time, right? didn't they? Sit down and race is over. Can on, you imagine going? Let's have a beer. Uh, think done. about that. Two hours and 48 minutes, 500 miles. Yeah. That's pretty quick. That's pretty quick. Yeah. Anyway, those are fun facts about Daytona, Mike. So there you go. I thought you might enjoy it. I love that because, you know, I have such great memories of Daytona. I, you know, the incredible stories. Can I tell some stories since we're talking about Daytona? I wish you would. Okay, so picture this. We live in St. Louis, Missouri. My father, Russ Wallace, is driving the little short trucks around the country, primarily in the Missouri area there. And we as a family, we mean my dad, Russ Wallace, my mom, Judy Wallace, my older brother, superstar, Rusty Wallace, myself, and Kenny. Now, we're little kids at this time. My dad wants to go to the Daytona 500. We want to go. So he, at that time, had this 73 Lincoln Town car, which was, in the day, that was a pimpin', gangster, big... That's a boat. Yeah, but... but <laughs> and my dad spent, like, all the money we had to have it, and he kept it in the garage. Nobody could ever drive it except the family. So we're going to Daytona. We're driving from St. Louis in this cream-colored Lincoln. Halfway down there, we look up, and Kenny, he's so little, he's laying up in the rear window decking. You know, I <laughs> like, used to have the rear window. Like you see a puppy yep, back there. Yeah, the head going up and down. So he's laying up there. Rusty and I are all spread out. We're that, So that was kind of the vision of the trip to Daytona. Mm -hmm. And we end up staying at one of them little, you know, it was nice back then, but kind of rough little on-the-beach hotels, you know, little one-story cottage Absolutely. things, you know. So we get over to the racetrack. And, like, we had no connections with anybody. I don't, I guess we just bought tickets, you know, and we were. In, so somehow Rusty and I got in the infield, the infield area of the racetrack, just where the fans are at. We walked through the tunnel or something. And my mom had given me this Super 8 movie re recorder mm -hmm. and in a box, you know, it hung on my shoulder. I was like a photographer, you know. <laughs> and I'm young. I mean, I, shit, I'm 10 years old, 12 years old, something like that. And I remember Rusty and I getting up right up to pit road on the outside. I mean, not in pit road, you know, where because they won't let us through. The guards are stopping sure. us. Sure. So he's standing there, and I, I, I meander around to another gate, and I pass the guard. I walked in like I belong there. I got a movie project or camera. You're you know? medium. Yeah, I'm medium. <laughs> and I remember walking down, and I get to where Rusty's at, and you got to just picture this <laughs> famous Rusty Wallace, right? NASCAR star, NASCAR's greatest Mad as hell because you got Hall it. Of fame. <laughs> He's on the other side of the fence, Jeff Kent. Hands up. How the hell did you get in there? And he's like, he's he's got his head up against and holding hands, and he just is, he just cannot believe I'm on pit roadside, right. you know. And and I just go like, I'm scared to let anybody know there. I go, I don't know. And <laughs> and so that that was the first remembrance of Daytona I have. You and the family going to the Daytona 500. Yeah, and That's it was cool. the year uh, that Richard Petty and David Pearson crashed coming to the checkered flag. 70 what? 6? 76. So that was my first just family experience. That, was, that wasn't the fight, right? Was it? No, that was Donnie Allison and Bobby and, and, Kale and Kelly. On the back Arbor, yeah. That was when the whole country was snowed in right. in the famous time. Um, but that was, and not only did we go to the Daytona 500, part of that deal uh, was Speed Weeks at New Smyrna, the asphalt series of racing. We went there to watch the short track cars. And that's when everything was really, really open in Daytona Beach and all the things that were happening that don't get to happen anymore down on the beach. And, you know, it was fun watching. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Went to Daytona myself, wife and I. I think it was 92, 93, 94. We went three years in a row. So I was probably there for uh, your 94 win. Didn't you win yeah. the Arca, Arca Race? Arca Race in 94. You would have those years. Okay, so now let's go back to another story. Mm -hmm. Ready for this? So 1992, I think it is. Uh, I'm going to drive for Dick Moroso. I moved down here in 91, 92, I think it is. And at that time, you know, it was old Daytona International Speedway, not what it looks like now, nothing like it looks like now. But you wait, you would enter the racetrack in a small little cylindrical tunnel that went under turn four. But you got to picture this. Right outside, this is an old crappy building where you got your pit passes. You had to go sign in and get your pit pass. Right. And I'm going to race. This is my first time racing at Daytona International Speedway. Both Rusty and Kenny had been there. And, of course, they tell you how to do whatever and at least knew how to get in the racetrack. But we go down, the thing goes down the hill, it flattens out at the bottom, but it comes back up like a launch deal, like you're getting shot out of a, a cannon. And you come up out of there driving this car, just a streetcar, and you look and there's a sign that says Daytona International Speedway. And it, as you crest the hill, there's this huge, hundred, what do you say, 70-acre infield. <laughs> but, but, it, but you're looking at turn three of the Daytona International Speedway. Oh, my God. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I just come from winning on a three-eighths-mile, half-mile racetrack. You know, I was a star, baby. I was. Oh, when, you, but, when you first go into Daytona, same feeling I had when I walked into Talladega for the first time. And I'm just a fan. I'm not going, I'm not going to the infield. I'm, I'm going to the grandstand. But you, you just look at the size of it. That's 180 acres, by the way. And you look at that big 31-degree of banking in the turns, and it just looks monstrous. Oh, it, it was what an experience. I'm glad you experienced the same thing I did. From the, I, I was wondering if the... If I say it in a complimentary way, the casual fan is as odd at the speedway as I was when I rolled into the speedway. Because yeah, we're getting ready to go drive there. That's one of the things I want to talk about is, I mean, what is that like as a driver for the first time going to Daytona and, and racing in that race? I mean, it's, it's got to be nerve-wracking as hell. Oh, it's, it's, it's just a totally different experience than you've ever experienced. I'm, I remember, I'm going to steal a, just a phrase. We're going to go back and forth here, but Ron Hornaday. You know, we had Ron on our show a while back. Absolutely. And Ron told me that his lifetime goal, whether he ever accomplished anything other in, in motorsports, he wanted to go run the Daytona 500. Didn't worry about truck championships. Didn't worry about if he could run the Daytona 500 once or race Daytona, he said, one time his career is complete because <laughs> it's Daytona, baby. Right. <laughs> you know, so we showed up. I, we, I showed up, our team. I always say everything's we because I can't do it myself. Unless you crash, you go, well, I backed it in the wall. Because if you tell the team we backed it in the wall. We didn't go, do that. No, no. We were sitting <laughs> on pit road and. <laughs> when you ran out yeah. of the three T's. Ran out of tra <laughs> traction, track, and talent. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it. Uh, Kenny, my brother Kenny, a couple years before that, he was driving for my brother Rusty in the Bush Series. His first race ever at Daytona, and he sits on the pole for the 300-mile oh. race. Yeah, that's right. On Saturday. and Isn't that the deal where he remembered his exact speed? Yeah, he... <laughs> He's got to study that stuff because there's no way. I thought about that coming up here today when I realized Ray wasn't going to join us. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to remember years. You know, what year did this happen? It's like, man, I think I need to go to Wikipedia or something. They, they know more about me than I know about myself. It's right there. <laughs> yeah. You can dial it up on your phone. <laughs> so tell me about your experience as a fan 
when you showed up to Daytona for the first time? So I it was the early 90s. I got to Charlotte in 1990. I started working for the Fox in Charlotte. John Boy and Billy were, and still are, uh, you know, the big morning show at the Fox. Well, they were big into racing. I liked racing, and a lot of my buddies, I came from Charleston, South Carolina, before we moved to Charlotte. A lot of my buddies were, were into racing. So I would go over their house on a Sunday afternoon, whatever, they're watching the race. So I'm exposed to racing. Plus, having lived in Atlanta, I went to Atlanta Motor Speedway a couple of times, had friends that were into it. Good times, but not a rabid fan. But when I started working here and working with John Boy and Billy and then having the race car drivers, the winning race car driver on the show every Monday morning and, you know, stuff like that, I, I got really involved. So I bought a real nice Chevrolet conversion van, and we started traveling around and going to these racetracks. Well, we decided we were going to go to Daytona, and we went three weeks in a, or three years in a row we would go down there for speed weeks. And I guess it's not really speed weeks anymore because they removed the Bush Clash and took it to the L.A. Coliseum. Called so speed days. But, <laughs> but speed week is officially underway, and the cars hit the track, I think, for the first time uh, tomorrow afternoon. But uh, So we went down to Daytona. We got the, the hotel. We'd go down on a, I think it was a Wednesday. So we would be there by Wednesday afternoon, evening, check into the hotel, goof around, party a little bit. And, and the first thing we did Thursday was get up and go to the track for what were then the twin 125s. Got it, yeah. Okay. So we'd enjoy it. And I remember the first time walking into that speedway and looking at the grandstand and thinking, my God, there's nobody in the state of Florida at work today. They're all here. <laughs> it was packed. Right? So you had the 125s on Thursday. You go back to the hotel room. You party some more. But then there were festivities on Friday. I think there was an ARCA race. Uh, there was, you remember the International Race of Champions? Yep, IROC Racing. IROC Racing. Yep. That was, yeah, I think Rusty was in that some. Mark Martin was in it some. And then they had the drivers from the other uh, series, series yeah. of racing. So that was cool. That was Friday. And of course, the Bush Race on Saturday, Daytona 500 Sunday. And then we would uh, uh, limp back to the hotel and then get some rest and, and hit the road, come back to Charlotte on Monday. But uh, we did that three years in a row. Good so times. was it was it all in? Did you enjoy, the first time you walked in? I did you like amazing go wow absolutely yeah. And the third time I walked in, right? yeah. I mean it, it never got old to me. So uh, when we come back, I want to talk about what it's actually like to to race at Daytona. Uh, what it's like to go that fast. I'll tell you. Somebody told me how it was one time. I'll, I'll bring that up. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. This is Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Ray Everham uh, was our scheduled guest today. Unfortunately, stricken with COVID-19, we wish him a speedy recovery, and we'll get him on the show uh, in the very near future. But uh, today's guest is... Uh, Mike Wallace, welcome back to your own podcast. Yeah, well, no, my other guest is Jeff Kent. Welcome to your podcast. We're I mean, having fun talking about Daytona because it's officially Speed Week. How could you not have fun talking about Daytona? I really? Love, I mean, that's why, that's why I was so skeptical when they took the Bush Clash. And But I guess, you know, in reading about it, and, and Humpy Wheeler was right, the ratings were fantastic. And, you know, I mean, you can just go down the list and check off the boxes for NASCAR. It's all positive. They did a good job. Now, whether it remains uh, in uh, Los Angeles at the Coliseum again next year, who knows? Or maybe they come up with another destination. I was just thinking about that the other day. I'm not sure... What that would be? I mean, they would want it to be in a um, another uh, uh, 
you know, urban setting. So do we go big to city. Atlanta indoors, the Mercedes Dome or whatever All that right, is? So indoor race. All right. Stadium, you know, Minneapolis. That, that could work. Indoor. But, yeah, we'll be talking about that because you know that's going to happen. But anyway, welcome back to Speed Week Daytona. We talked about what it's like from a fan perspective to first time walk into the racetrack and you just go, oh, my God, look at this place. You had the same experience as a driver going through the tunnel, but now we're getting ready to go racing, all right? So I guess the first time you go out on the track, it's practice. That's it. I First time I go there, and I got this story is you just got to picture this, okay? So I get in the car. Now, I, you got to admit, I probably have had some help from my older brother, Rusty, my brother, Kenny, you know, Dale Earnhardt helped me, explaining just how to get out of the garage area on the pit road <laughs> to make a lap. You know, everybody thinks everything's simple, but if you've never been to a racetrack, you, you don't even know how to get out of the garage area. You don't know the flow of traffic. Daytona used to have all these staggered garage areas. Uh, you know, I know everybody's been there. Rich, you've been down right in the middle of that stuff, and, like, there's a garage here, 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 but traffic only goes one way. And there used to be a telephone pole in the middle of all that. You had to split the telephone pole because there was guys that hit it, you know? <laughs> so, uh, fortunately, I had all that. So, I'm, I'm ready, and I'm... I'm going to work my way out of there, and I get to pit road, and they go, now, when you get to pit road, you know, you stay on the bottom of the racetrack all the way around to the back straightaway. Believe it or not, that's harder to do than you think because you're building up speed. And and now, just to let you know, you're in a time of race car where you're just going to run wide open down here. You never lift. Mm -hmm. It's like, I never lift. Well, somebody told me Somebody <laughs> told me one time, I don't remember who it was. They said, well, you know how to race at Daytona, right? I said, no, I mean, go as fast as you can, right? Well, you take your right foot, you put it all the way to the floor. Take your left foot, put it over the top of your right foot, and you hang on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's pretty much true. <laughs> Unless know. there's traffic. And yeah, then there's there, a whole other, other times. Thing. So here we go. Okay, you ready? First time there, I drive out, I, I go through the gearbox just casually, get up in the middle of the back straightaway, and I run down three, and I think I'm against a wall, and I'm like two car lengths off the wall. I'm not near as close as I think. I come through the trial, and I go down into turn one. And Jeff Kent, that looks like a huge racetrack, right? Yeah. I mean, it looks really, really big. But I imagine it's coming at you pretty quick. Until it comes at speed, <laughs> and it's like, oh, crap. That's a narrow corner. I mean, it's like, you know, it's only... Three car lengths wide, or three car widths, maybe four maximum. Through the trioval? No, down in turn one and two. Okay, and gotcha. it's like, oh, my God. I am I was stunned. I was like, holy crap, this place is narrow. But and when you go into turn one, even at speed, does it look like there's a hill coming at you? Or? It looks like a wall coming at you. <laughs> I mean, you're driving down in there, and you're looking, and there's just banking. And the uniqueness, the banking turns the car. Right. You hardly have to turn the wheel at all, meaning because the momentum slash G4 slash everything else turns the car. Now, sometimes it turns the car perfectly. Other times it doesn't turn the car quite as well, and that's where steering input and that comes from. But that was the first time, the first corner. Driving down in there was kind of like I heard the phrase of you uh, like threading a needle. You know how you put a needle a little mm -hmm. hard to do? And then uh, somehow or another, as time went on, that, that race day, that practice day, whatever, you know, you get brave and you get bold and you have people as the people that were helping me, my brothers and Dale Earnhardt going, dude, first of all, when you go out, get up against the wall. And I says, I was against the wall. And they go, oh, you weren't even close to against the wall. <laughs> Don't be scared. Get up there. And I says, 
I don't. I think I am scared. <laughs> so um, it all went well. I mean, can't you just take the top lane and that that puts you up, or even you got to go even higher than that? Well, here you got to remember, this is the first time. I, I, I mean, I know that. I, believe me, I know that you had a legendary legend car career, and you know all about racing. That's true. All right, but that was also one of my weaknesses. Yeah, they, so, they used to tell me, dude, you, you're diamonding the turns. Okay, yeah. you got to go in a little higher. Don't don't get down so low when you go into the turn. Yeah, same so, thing. Same thing, without a doubt. So end result, being at the iconic Daytona International Speedway, I learned all that. I learned what I was supposed to do. And we'll fast forward. I got a uh, in December. So this was first time. 1992. First I'm a, time on okay, a Okay, 1992. You're in first the First time ever on a Speedway. In the Arca Series. No, I was, on a, I was actually in a Bush Series car. Oh, at no that kidding. Time. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so, you know, my first couple races there were nothing stellar. I don't think I crashed or anything like that, but we didn't run that good. And so, but I showed promise. Like, mm -hmm. I impressed somebody enough and uh, we were at the charlotte motor speedway in the very end of november to very first of december and we're at a charity event and kenny schrader's there kenny's a longtime family friend we've been around you know and he goes man you run pretty good them speedways don't you i says well i'm trying he says i'll tell you what why don't we uh why don't we take an arca car and go to daytona he says matter of fact let's just make a damn drunken deal right now we're going to daytona <laughs> And I went, okay. I mean, why all Ken Schrader's deals, drunken deals? Schrader, <laughs> Schrader is so much fun, man. He is so much fun, but he loves beer. I mean, he loves beer. And I so found out we have that in common. You, Jeff Kent and Kenny Schrader <laughs> would be the star-setting crew for my drinking team if I had one, because th they stay coherent most of the time. On top of it, That's right. so uh, Schrader says, "Let's go to Daytona." And then, of course, we make the deal. And I, I call him like Tuesday or Wednesday that following week. I says. Hey, I mean, I just want to remember, remind you, you said we were going to go to Daytona. What do you do? You think I was drunk? I didn't remember? Hell yeah, we're going. <laughs> he says, you know anybody wants to sponsor the car? And I went, I have no idea. <laughs> Don't know nothing. So we ended up with a fine and deal. And as Schrader says, we screwed up and won the race. <laughs> so, and, and that was the ARCA win. That was the ARCA win, 1994. Okay. I win driving for Kenny Schrader. It pays $12,000, and they paid in cash back in those days. For nice. Because the, the ARCA teams didn't have money. They Nobody had money. So they, Who gets the twelve grand? Ken Schrader? No, this, this is the story. <laughs> and we never discussed it. Like, we we never discussed if he was going to pay me or we're going to go. And he comes over. He, Schrader's done been to the pay window, they call it. That was back <laughs> in the trailer. He got $12,000 cash, and he already had a count out. He walked up. He goes, all right, we won six thousand for you, six thousand for me, and I got. I looked at him. I said, "You sure?" He goes, "Hell yeah!" Put six grand cash in my pocket. I was the happiest guy you ever seen. <laughs> he felt like a champion. Oh yeah, yeah. Then and what? Where that went from that point? Besides the Bush Series deal, then I got offered an opportunity three weeks later to drive for Junie Don Lovey in a Cup car. Oh no, kidding. Yeah, so. Just, uh, man, my success, honestly, at Daytona in 1994. Winston Racing Series 1990 in the Midwest end up win Daytona in 94. It gives me all these opportunities. You know, and that, then it became a struggle from so there. So it's coming, at, it's, <laughs> well, it's coming at you pretty quick. But you also had success in the Truck Series as well. So you raced 
in uh, the Daytona 500. The, the truck series didn't come along until... That's true. It started earlier, but it didn't go to Daytona until 2000. Ah. But go ahead. But the Daytona 500... Yep. ...for Junie Dunleavy... Um, nope. That Well, yes, the, in 95. 1994, Bobby Hillen was driving for Junie. Okay. They, they decided to part ways about four races into the season. A guy by the name of Don Beverly, who owned a, a Bush team that, at that time, Jimmy Hensley was driving for... Beverly and Don Levy were buddies up in Virginia. I get a phone call from Beverly. He's the negotiator now. He's the in-between guy just because we liked each other. He goes, hey, you want to drive that 90 car for Junie Don Levy? And I was like, well, hell yeah. Or, <laughs> not hell yeah. It was like, yes, sir. <laughs> he goes, well, best thing I can tell you, you're going to get a phone call within the next 15 minutes. Get whatever, get some clothes in the car, and head to Richmond because they want to see you tomorrow morning up here. No kidding. And that's how it happened, man. I got in this old... LTD crown, whatever it was, old Ford that a buddy of mine gave me down here. I didn't have no money when I moved down, so he gave me this whole car to drive. And thought you had six grand. Well, <laughs> six grand doesn't go a long way when you're trying now, to pay all the bills in the no, family. When you, you, know when what you mean? have a family, that, yeah. That, so uh, that's right. That that that's kind of how the Daytona stuff progressed. So you joined that team then, uh, in, the, in halfway through, quarter way through the the quarter season way that through year? of '94. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, finished the year. You know, ran just. Average. Junie Donlevy was the greatest car owner the motorsports world has ever known because he gave so many people an opportunity to drive his race cars. Young people. Kenny Schrader drove for him. Jody Ridley. Dick Tripp. I mean, just the list goes on and on because he loved being at the racetrack. He was he loved being around the racing business. He it was not really that big a deal if you won or didn't win. But as long as you had fun, that was his Big deal. That's pretty cool. And at that time, he had a great company sponsor him called High League Myers Furniture Company. Absolutely, I remember that. High League Myers was big in that era, and uh, we just had a really good time. We raced together till '97. So if you know, it's once again, it's Speed Week Daytona coming up. If if you're a team, and I guess the schedule is a little different this year because some some of the teams had to go out to LA, participate in the Clash. But what is your week like? Are the are the teams are already there, the drivers are probably already there. They got their first practice session tomorrow afternoon. So. Yeah. So, honestly, it's a very short, condensed session compared to what it used to be at Daytona. Literally, Jeff, we used to spend a couple weeks in Daytona. I know. You know, two and a half weeks actually, and uh, you, you literally there'd be days you go play. You know. Crappy golf. I say crappy golf because I'm a horrible golfer. You would be having a great time drinking beer, going just, you had fun, man. You just did different things. And at the racetrack, now the teams are just rolling in. Uh, they've all, the 36 of the charter teams have all been through tech. Most everybody's cars, meaning they were out in LA, so they know what tech was like. Everybody's cars have been checked in the Charlotte area already before they roll into Daytona. So all these new Gen 6 cars are supposed to, should pass tech. They'll have basic practice sessions. You will not, I will bet you a thousand bucks, you will not see big packs of drafting because there's no cars available. They can't afford to tear any of their race cars up down there. Right. You know, there's not a lot of parts. They did make it aware, or NASCAR did make it that any team that wanted to participate in the Daytona 500 and they knew they were going to, was able to get them one car. So besides the charter teams, the 36 cars that are chartered, there are some new teams coming about. You know, our buddy Greg Biffle, who was on our show a few weeks ago. Biff's got a ride He's now. He's back, and I think when he was on the show, he either didn't know or wasn't allowed to say yeah. anything about it at the time. I'm assuming 
after he was done with that show, he just wasn't let, telling anyone because he wasn't sure it was done, but it appears, and he's in a, in a good RCR car, driving for a, a car owner out of New York, but it's all RCR prepared out of their shop. You've got another RCR prepared car with what they're calling the, the money team, the Floyd Mayweather program. That's a that's a namesake from what I hear, kind of only Mayweather kind of give the guy the rights to go use his name and try to get a sponsor. So they're going to they're gonna field a car. Carl Long is going to field a second car. Um, the Beard Oil Group, which Brendan Gaughan drove for. So we're thinking, and Rich might be able to find out during the show, we're thinking there's 41 or 42 cars that's going to be on the entry list for a 40-car field. Right. It's going to be a busy week. And when I say... Uh, that the cup cars hit the track tomorrow. Uh, I realize you're listening to this after the fact. The schedule goes Tuesday, first cup practice at 5 and 6.35. Wednesday is cup qualifying. They're doing the single car qualifying again. And, of course, the duels at 7 and 8.45 on Thursday night. Xfinity race, Saturday cup race, Daytona 500 Sunday. And then there's ARCA, trucks, and various different practices. Truck race is Friday night, right? Friday night. Saturday is Xfinity Cars, Daytona 500 on Sunday. What an exciting, exciting, I'd love to, I wish I was there. That is it. Wish I could be down there driving every one of them. Daytona International Speedway, we're talking to Mike Wallace, and you're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with the aforementioned Mike Wallace on the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent, and uh, we're, we're talking to Mike Wallace today. It's Speed Week. We're talking about Daytona International Speedway. And once again, we just pulled the pit box down to pit road, and Mike Wallace is high above it talking racing. We are, and it's amazing because we were talking in a, the previous part of the show that how many cars were going to be in the Daytona 500. Well, it looks like they're going to be there are 42 cars attempting to make the field, but you said the field is 40? 40. However, I just learned the Jacques Villeneuve. Jacques. Will be. I, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, that was very. Uh, if I could tell you that. Villeneuve. That was really sexy, or that was like that. What's that cartoon character that Used to, he was like this. Uh, uh, it's almost detective. like a porn star name, you know. Jacques Villeneuve. Hi, my name is Jacques Jacques Villeneuve. Yeah, so, anyway, he'll be attempting. Yeah, to so make anybody the field. that doesn't realize Jacques Villeneuve is world famous, and I mean that with all sincerity. I, w- I got the pleasure to race against Jacques at Circuit Gilles Villeneuve, which is in his father's name in Montreal, Canada. We raced Road America. Uh, this is his first attempt, from what I understand, at the Daytona 500. He's a you know an F1 champion, world famous off road guy. Just not off-road, I don't know why I say that. Open-wheel guy. And uh, he's excited. I read an article where he just, man, he's pumped up and coming to Daytona. He did test there, so he's been on the racetrack. And uh, so it's exciting. It's like we got, got a little different things going on at Daytona. That is, there, yeah. but there are quite a few teams that are going to have to get in on, on speed uh, by qualifying, either single-car qualifying or... Uh, through the duels, right? Right, yeah, and I don't know how the lineup, the you know, what the equation is for the final four spots this year. It used to be you run a certain point in the duels, then it goes on time, and then it goes to fastest car that didn't get qualified. So you don't know until the last lap of the second duel of who actually makes the race. I mean, I do know if, let's just say, you two of these six cars qualify like third and fourth we know for sure they're going to be in the daytona 500 because of the fastest cars but right. uh, i was told there would be no math so yeah well you know. it's hey, too complex let's but go back fun, to the uh, let's go back to the arca series for, for for just a minute because surely it's changed 
Since you raced ARCA in uh, what did we decide it was, 1994? Yes, sir. All right, you won that race. You were 30-something years old. Yeah, you remember the article right? I told you about Kelly Yarbrough telling me I was yes. too young, but I was 30-something years so old. So if you're racing in the ARCA series right now, who are you? You are somebody that nobody knows. You are about, well, you're 18 years old because you have to be 18 to run to Daytona. Daytona yeah. But you've been running the ARCA series for a year or two because you were 15 or 16 when you started. And why do you run the ARCA series? Well, number one, it gives you the experience on that two-and-a-half-mile racetrack where you can't get it anywhere else. I mean, think about it. Most of these kids have come off of quarter-mile, half-mile racetracks. Don't get me wrong. They, they, a lot of them have run Charlotte and different racetracks, big racetracks. But Daytona, the drafting, all that you learn. So you're, you're a young guy. But there are some old guys in there. That's There's true. And it, if Schrader called me today and says, I go to Daytona, I'd go again in ARCA race. But uh, So the ARCA series, <laughs> which is now owned by NASCAR. A lot of people don't know that. The NASCAR sanctioning body owns ARCA, and it's just it's a prelim race. It's it's like a, what would it be it would be like double A ball, triple A ball in the ball world. Right. It's it, it's up and coming for the most part. Like you said, there are some experienced drivers out there just because you know they just haven't gotten a break and moved up to Xfinity or Cup or what have you, or they just love racing at that level. They race at that level and they're perfectly content. The big thing is remember that the ARCA series gets to race in the may we'll call it a lot of people understand baseball better, the major league ballpark. Right. I mean they get to race on the same racetrack that the Daytona five hundred's happening on. Gotcha. How many cars in the uh, Arca field? Do we know that? Well, I don't know. I uh, Maybe we can have our stat statistician by the time the end of the show figures out for us. But I would, you know, there's 40 cars available. Uh, so uh, somebody's going to give us a number. We, we got people on that. I got your people on it, Jeff. Do you, some of my best people. Do you remember, uh, and they used to run another series of racing down there. It wasn't Arca. I want to say they had like four cylinder. Engines. Oh yeah, the, the dash cars. Dash. That's it. Back in the day, they called it the Daytona Dash or the Goodies Dash series. There you go. Yeah. Really, really popular for many years. Matter of fact, a guy I ended up driving for Barry Owen and won some Bush Series races, some major races. Barry was like the master car builder of the Goodies Dash cars. He uh, a lot of good guys raced in that. That was a big series. Because when I was going to the races in in Daytona, there was always a dash race. I, I want to say that would be uh, part of the Friday festivities as well. Yeah, they so. used to load them cars up. They boy, just like the Arca series, they'd have some hellacious wrecks too. Because oh. oh my God, they would. You know, they start some crazy number on them cars, and they had four cylinders in them, so they sound like sound like a swarm of bees yeah. coming by. <laughs> I saw. Uh, I saw a wreck down there one time in the Dash Series, and, you know, I think everybody was okay. I certainly hope so. But anyway, this dude took a tumble and wound up in Lake Lloyd. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the the lake used to have back there. Now they, So that's the improvements they've done at Daytona International Speedway. As you come off, the whole bottom of the racetrack is asphalt now. Where it used to be grass. Plus, there's a wall down there. And it had right? a, but it had a berm back in the day. Those Dash cars, just a berm, a dirt berm. Yeah. So you'd come off the racetrack sliding sideways. You'd get to the grass, and you feel like the car picked up 100 mile an hour. Seriously, it just it wasn't scrubbing off speed on like asphalt does. Right. And it just then they'd get to that berm, and if it hit it wrong, it that experience you're talking about the car that ended up in the lake. Yeah, there wasn't a fence like on top of the berm. It was just like a six foot tall. Well, he dirt probably berm. went up that berm, rolled a couple of times, and wound up yeah. in in Lake Lloyd. That wasn't a good story for that gentleman, but boy, those are good stories. Think about how the race. Yeah, you know, changed. from from a fan's perspective, it was like, 
Holy, Holy crap. crap, we went to a stock car race and ended up in a boat race. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, let's talk a little bit about the, the new next-gen cars, uh, what what these guys can expect. And I don't. I saw a photo today, so I think it, the story was about Kevin Harvick, Stuart Haas Racing. They get the, you know, the hauler lined up there, and there's one car in front of it yep. that they're getting ready to put in the truck. So I guess they're bringing two cars, but there was only one on the photo. Now, you know, it used to be that was standard practice, right? You got you got your A main, you got in your backup car. All cup teams that I know that used to go to Daytona pre-2022 would be ready for the Daytona 500 with four race cars. Two in the trailer, go to Daytona, and there would be two sitting back at the shop right. all the time because, you know, you had Talladega coming up. You're running probably <laughs> – everybody plans on losing the car at one of those races. <laughs> yeah. So, but – Right now, this year, they don't have that many cars. What they're showing, they don't have a multitude of well, cars. Well, nice question, and we may have talked about this before, but the next-gen car, how over the past so many years, you had a super speedway car, and you had a short track car, and you had a you know, mile-and-a-half car. Is it still the same way with the next-gen? No, is it, or all the you same race car. the same car at all these tracks. And the setup's got to be different, right? A little bit. The spring, but it's the is, same but, car. But, but what's what it was designed as is you will take this car if you want, and you will go from the Daytona 500, and you will travel west, and you will race that car at Phoenix, Las Vegas, California Speedway, if you so choose to. You don't have to, you know that it's supposed to be a a common car is what they, you know, I think it was one of the phrases. Uh, you can race it anywhere. You can run it on a road course. You and then they're only going to allow each team to have a max of seven cars in their inventory at any given time when there becomes enough cars. Mm -hmm. So any great team, any small team, nobody can have more than seven at a time. Which you go, why do you need seven cars? Well, think about it. I just read Rodney Childers from Stuart Haas Racing, and somebody can check and make sure I'm saying this right. There's a 36 or 37 race schedule. Let's just say 36. There, and they race 35 weeks out of the 36 this year, starting at the Daytona 500. They're only going to have one week off all year. Probably Easter Sunday, right? Yeah, I, probably, I don't know. Well, yeah, we well, used to be Easter Sunday or Mother's Day. One of the two. Yeah. But they're going to run every week till till the end of the year, so they have no time. You know, their, their preparation has got to be so spot on and – Plenty of inventory and tractor trailer. Literally, tractor trailers ready to roll to the west, you know, in the next few weeks in case the primary stuff gets tore up one week, you know, and because they won't drive them all the way back home, they'll literally have stuff staged, getting ready to go. Because there's hey, a couple of races out west. There's three in a row right after Daytona. Gotcha. You know, so, so there's a number of drivers that, that are with new teams uh, this year, uh, starting with the Daytona 500. So let's talk about some of them. Brad Keselowski? Keselowski going as a, not just a driver, but as a business partner to Roush Fenway. So I think it's called RFK now, the team, Roush Fenway Keselowski. And, you know, we talked about Brad very briefly. I think it was, I forgot what driver. Or, oh, Ron, no, I don't know. We talked about some, but Brad's a really smart business guy. We come to find out, you right. know, besides just driving a race car, he's got a big deal up here right at the Statesville Airport, uh, Keselowski Advanced Materials, where they do all this machining. He was quoted the other day saying he's wanting to bring all the experience he has from a race car driver 
to a competitor as a businessman to RFK and make them successful. He says it's not going to happen overnight. But uh, that's probably the one everybody's watching to see if he can turn that organization around. Remember, Roush used to be the man. That was the team to drive forward. And then it just faded over the years. And there's reasons, supposedly, why it's faded. But it's... I really hate to make it sound this way. Right now, they're they're one of the worst good teams. Right. You know, they they got money, they got whatever, but they're just they're not performing. So uh, Keselowski's going to be interesting. I, I'm excited to see what he does. Who else we got running this week? That's well with a new organization. Let's remember Biffle. Greg you Biffle. Know, Gre- Greg wasn't. Uh, he was on our show here a couple weeks ago, and, and you he, said he is with. Uh, that's an RCR team. That that is a team uh, that was fielded in uh, put together in the RCR shop. But I'm pretty sure there was a gentleman that owned a team a few years ago. His name was John Cohen, uh, African-American gentleman out of New York. And I believe that's his team. I think that it will, I don't know what they call the team, but I think the ownership will, is John Cohen. And uh, made a wonderful choice for Biffle, hell of a race car driver. Cohen made a great choice of saying, hey, instead of trying to do this stuff myself, go into RCR, make an alliance, and, and go from there. Yeah, I mean, if I if somebody said, who's going to win the Daytona 500? I, I don't know, man. I might be able to tell you after I watch the duels on Thursday night. But yeah, you know what's crazy? I don't know who's going to be fast. Right where we're at. Now, this is, you guys will love this story because you talk about old school racing. Literally one and a half miles down the street from where our studio is right now, the second car for Carl Long Racing, the new Gen 6 car, was built in the basement of Poncho Weaver's house right up here on the lake. <laughs> he put a whole Gen 6 car together, and Poncho and Boris said are big buddies, so Boris is going to road race that car. But one of the cars you see at the Daytona 500 has been fully assembled in a basement. In the basement of a lake house here on Lake Norman. Right down the it, 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 No, I mean the whole thing. They brought the chassis there, and the, Poncho <laughs> and his guys, buddies, they put it together. And uh, he's popular in the Trans Am racing world, but... There will be a car that was built in the basement of somebody's house. That's cool. Yeah. Here's an interesting question. What does the Daytona 500 look like at Mike Wallace's house? The Daytona <laughs> Now, I don't know. I guess, what are you planning? you having a party? I mean, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. Right, I mean, coming off the Super Bowl, everybody puts their menu together. Mm-hmm. I made some amazing meatballs and marinara sauce in a, in a crock pot yesterday. Yeah, so everybody will be in town, meaning my daughter, Lindsay, Chrissy, son, Matt. Everybody will be back from... They've been in the Bahamas and doing all fun stuff, but they'll be back. We, uh, fortunately, we have a house full of televisions, but we have a big theater room that seats 18 people, I think. So that's where the race will be. So the race will be on in the theater room, and it will be on in every television in the house. The grandkids will be over. They, don't, they won't give a crap about the race. They will, <laughs> they will be playing with all their toys. The little guy's got a Nerf gun, so he'll be shooting everybody. But it's just... Uh, we're going to celebrate it like an event. You know, I, the great part is I know what I'm going to do from Thursday night on this week. Right, so do I. I'm going to watch racing. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to piddle around. And uh, You're not a big cooker guy, are you? Uh, you know what? I wish I knew how to cook. I'm going to have to have you come over because I'll tell you what I do have. I have a brand new big green egg. Okay. And my, my brother, Kenny, his uh, sponsors, the guy K&S Concrete up in Ohio, I was, realized they sold them. So he helped me acquire one of them. And it's still sitting there brand new. I don't know how to break it in. And my son-in-law says, let's just get that thing out. I mean, it's big. It's the biggest yeah, one they got. I mean, got. the first thing you do is get it out, put it together if there's any assembly required, and then you season it. 
right? You put yeah, well, there was a lot of assembly required. I did that. <laughs> but the seasoning part, you got to help me out. I mean, you just fire it up. I mean, put you know, put some charcoal, some wood chips in it, and pretend like you're cooking something, but you're not. But you, So you just season the grill. And then anything that you're going to cook, you can look up the recipe online. I've got a smoker at home. I've perfected ribs. I've done... Uh, Roasts, I've done pork loins, chicken, well, s- seafood. Do you know what's going to happen this year then, Jeff Kent? You are going to be invited to the pool. Perfect. And I'll have the beer and I'll have the meat and we'll have the cooker. And you're going to be invited, but you're going to have to cook. That's fine. Okay? I enjoy so, it. So um, if I knew how to do that and could throw it all together by this weekend, we might do that. My son-in-law is really good, Thomas. Fantastic. My son, Matt's good at cooking anymore also. So. All right, Mike Wallace, you've been a fantastic guest on today's show. Well, you know, it was, a, it was wonderful to be a guest of <laughs> Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. But the real person behind this show is uh, Jeff Kent. Jeff makes it well. Come on, fun facts no, about Daytona. That uh, was good, Fun right? facts was wonderful. The greatest part I love about it, Jeff, uh, <laughs> that everybody is listening he was prepared, and I was prepared, and Rich was prepared. Rich is on the other side of the window, puts us all together. Uh, we were all prepared for Ray Everham. We certainly were. You know, so at the literally, we'll call it the ninth hour, Ray was nice enough to call and say, hey, man, I feel horrible. Uh, and Jeff says, all right, let's go. We got it. So here we are. We talked about the Daytona 500. We talked about the new cars. We talked about Biff. Well, we got anything else we want to wrap up with? Probably not. I think we're good. We talked about your menu for the Daytona 500. What else? do we need to cover chicken strips you've been listening to fast car to nascar with mike wallace on the speed sport podcast network presented by crosley and nascar digital media we'll see you next week